Mind your speed and your surroundings. Avoid costly collisions. Welcome to the Orbital Sword. Please follow me to the Rhythm Room. Three, two, one, engage. Welcome aboard the Orbital Sword. I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And on this episode, we're discussing Genesis of Shannara, Book One, Armageddon's Children by Terry Brooks. That is a mouthful. It is. Huh? It is. But I'm, you know what? I'm very glad that we are talking about uh, our, the, uh, a Shannara book because Terry Brooks certainly has created an iconic universe here yeah i can i get that yeah from, i get that from it uh in this book it's kind of it's um it's one of the many prequel books to the original book and uh has a lot to do with well the genesis of the world and and uh kind of um some of the stuff going on there we follow a uh, guy who hunts demons across the country trying to look for a special type of uh what is it called? The Omen? What's he called? The, uh, the Loden Stone. The, the Loden. Well, who's hunting? The, the guy that's hunting the demons? The Gypsy Morph. He's looking for the Gypsy He's gypsy looking morph. for the Gypsy Morphs, yeah. Yeah. So Logan Tom's looking for the Gypsy Morph traveling across the world. You have uh, stories of like demons taking down cities. Humanity is on its last leg, really. You got to get a look as to what it's like to live outside of the cities. and and uh, It's very much a post-apocalyptic world. Yeah. Yeah, very post-apocalyptic, which I was not expecting when I picked up the book. I thought it was going to be more fantasy. Well, and it is, it but, is but it's but, uh, not uh, yeah. not what you expect. More like, ur- almost a little bit like urban fantasy, like what they would call urban yeah. fantasy. If it's I, I think for my small summary, I, I feel like it's very difficult to do a small summary because, uh, and we'll probably get into this, it Just it's difficult to just dump this book out without any, like, history right of the world right so which uh, i'm sure that we'll get into a little bit yeah yeah (laughs) so 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 that's a that's a quick summary of the book got a guy traveling around looking for a special thing or person um and uh just kind of and we just focus on one guy there's actually like four storylines that we follow yeah yeah but they're all kind of somewhat around the same you've got the story of the thing that he's he's the person he's trying to find Right. Story of the guy traveling across. You've got you a, have the elves. You have, the you elves. have this another uh, knight of the word called Angel. Yeah. And so these are the four main storylines. Right. Right. And she that's with her you get to explore like the cities falling to the demons and and more of like what the demons are and how they become how people become demons. Yeah. We stuff. have zombies. Yeah. Yeah. Or zombie-like things. Zombie-like creatures. Mutated people. All different types of yeah, mutated, mutated once people. Men. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's the that's the short and long of it. Um, so let's. Uh, why don't we talk impressions here? Okay, well, you so, want to you want to start, Jim? Sure. Um, I was pleasantly surprised at first with this book. Uh, I love post-apocalyptic fiction, and this one started out 
almost sounding more like science fiction than fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, the causes of everything and the mutations and things like that. And the magic was very, very light weight. And, um, I immediately began to identify with Logan in this book, because when you have somebody traveling across country, completely alone with no help, um, that that's, that's the kind of thing that'll draw me in. Mm. And then we got to the um, Kirison storyline, and it kind of went, oh, geez, elves, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, it kind of went down the rat hole, but, but it did hold my interest throughout. You know, you were mentioning about this Logan, this guy traveling isolation. It reminds me a little bit. Did you guys ever see the movie Book of Eli? I'm aware of it, but I haven't yeah. seen it. Did yeah. you, Jim? I don't remember. So Denzel Washington is mm-hmm. traveling alone. He's a protector of the word, mm-hmm. and uh, he is a, but he's blind. But he somehow is able to survive in this post-apocalyptic world where books have become a rarity, and mm-hmm. he's trying to protect protect this book. And when you were describing it, Jim, it just made me think of that. Ah, yeah. So that's only the only reason I mentioned it was that. <laughs> How about you, David? Uh, reading this book. Uh, overall impressions. Okay, so my opening impression was similar to Jim. I was, I was shocked. I, 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 from what I know of the book is is mostly covers and mostly covers from the main series and not the prequels. The prequel covers don't give a lot away, but the main series they've got swords and it looks very very fantasy. Um, then to just be dropped in with this guy traveling across post apocalyptic world. I felt very lost, um, and but it, I, for me, it was the opposite uh, from what Jim had. I didn't really start to feel like I had any basis till I got to the elves, mostly because it felt like when you dropped us in with Tom and with um, the kid, I can't remember his name, but when you dropped in with the kid. Hawk. Hawk, yeah. Both of them, it was like an expected knowledge of this universe was had when it came to these these two characters and then when you flipped over to the elves it was like the elves were almost being introduced in the from the basics on and that's where i kind of i got i really got into the elves because i was like this is they're explaining it to me better it feels new it feels like the reader is supposed to be getting exposed to this for the first time whereas the the demons uh, the the Knights of the Word and uh, Hawk, like all of their their world was, I I think I felt like I was expected to know more. And honestly, I I did enjoy this book. And and um, you'll probably hear me say this a couple times. My frustration with reading this book was not the book. It was not the story. And it was everything with this being the first book, my first exposure to this world. Right. I found that very 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 irritating and. Um, thank you, thank you to the guy who who recommended this over and over again. Our fan that did that—I can't remember your name—but um, thank you for for being actively recommending things. But but I cannot stress that this, that reading this book first was wrong uh, for me. Yeah, I, I I feel like I and and the problem is is I finished this book now and I've been struggling because I read it really early and I read it really fast because I did enjoy it. But I really wanted to read the next two books 
And at the same time, in, in doing research, I found out that there's a tr- there's a trilogy of books before this that builds the whole world. Right. And that, made, that really irritated me. That I was, why yeah. don't we start with that book? And, and I, now I'm like, do I finish this because I'm in the middle of the story and I won't have to reread the book? Or do I go back and read the other three? I, it, yeah. So that that ruined the experience for me. Yeah. Well, so um, number one, David, I agree with you yeah. that um, jumping in, that having this be the starting book for the Orbital Sword and our listening audience to be reading with us. I can understand why why it'd be frustrating. Um, the series that you're alluding to is a Word and Void series. was a was a trilogy that came before this one. And if we would have been smart, we would have read the first book in this series. Which because because so Word and Void, what it does is it focuses on John Ross and Ness Freemark, who is Hawk's mom, and John Ross, which is a mentored angel, right? Um, and they, they, they use magic from the word and they kind of, they're, they're, they begin to battle with the demons and there's illusions even in this book that one of the demons made a mistake way back when. Um, and so we, we have that and, and we get that context and it gives us the backstory too. And it, uh, to Armageddon's children. Yeah. And so, uh, I can understand your frustration, Luckily, I mean, I've read almost every single Terry Brooke book. Mm-hmm. So I had a little bit of that context when they mentioned it. Ironically, that series, I found at Goodwill. I picked it up on a whim, read it, and like, oh, this isn't tied into the Sword of Shinar series. And it wasn't until later that they really tie it in. Mm-hmm. So he dropped this book without ever telling people it was tied into the Shinar series till much later. But you do get the context of why the world is as it was. Right. And you get references to the backstory to all the people that other characters are alluding to. The bones of Ness Freemark that, you know, Logan Tom uses to guide his way to Hawk. Um, the, uh, the, the, the Indian that's kind of ga- that, 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 that's gathering, uh, that's, that's kind of appearing to both Angel at one time and Logan Tom at another. Um, and even the, the lady in the mist. I mean, you get all these things that are kind of tropes that travel throughout the Shinar series here. Um, I feel like even if you would have started with the, the first Shinara book, I can't remember what it's called. Sword, Sword, Sword of Shinara. You know, I feel like even, even if you were to read that and then jump to this book, like you would have more knowledge of like, oh, this is a – this used to be Earth. From what I understand, the, the original books acknowledge that it, that it – the fantasy world used to be like San Francisco or yeah, so or whatever. My memory of the sort of Shinara, it's been a while since I read it. Um, number one, when you read it, there's very little evidence. There might be one reference in it mm-hmm. that actually hints that this potentially was earth. Right. Like it's very much a high fantasy novel and hailed by many as being a ripoff of Lord of the Rings. Um, it's been criticized for that, but he, but, but after this book, Terry Brooks developed kind of his own mythos and expanded beyond that, that this is clearly not a Lord of the Rings story. Right. Um, I'm not sure reading the sort of Shannara and then reading this book would have given you enough context. You almost really do need to read the word and void series in order to get to fully appreciate what's happening here. I think me personally, because I do want to keep reading these books. I think that I may go just, 
I was going to finish this trilogy, but I think I might just jump back and read the other ones. The Word and Void. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just to get content. I, I think it might just get worse if yeah. I don't. And, yeah. And, and annoy me more and more. Yeah. So, I mean, the one, the one comment that said is it was unclear when he published this whether this was tied into the Shinar universe has been re- revealed as being the ultimate prequel to the Shinar right. novels. So they, so you really, it really does tell how we came to Shinara. Yeah. And at least how the road began. And, and for those listeners who weren't familiar with our, our, what we did before the Orbital Sword, which was the, the Dune Saga podcast, which we read the Dune books in chronological order, dunesagapodcast.com, if you want to go look at that. But, Absolutely. But um, I, the whole time I'm reading this, I'm thinking, of, uh, like an analogy of like what it would have been like for us to be like, oh, you want to get into Dune? Like read this start here at this book and, and yeah, start sort of, at the house books right yeah and i was like if you started at the house books like you could read them but you would have no basis for why the characters were important or what spice was or i mean spice isn't that important right anymore, but, but but you know w- but, why the harkonnens and the you know yeah you know what you know the uh the um uh, who is it? The Harkonnens and the Atreides. Atreides, why they're battling. I mean, yeah. all that's established in like the Machine Crusade, the Crusade books, right? Yeah. At the beginning. And, and in fact, I thought of it as we were, I was reading through, I'm like, this really, the expanse of this series is like the Dune because mm-hmm. there are literally that many books in it. Yeah. If you get into the uh, trilogy. But, well, I feel like we're, we're on the same page about this, but, but Jim, how did you feel in this regard? Okay, refresh my memory. What in what regards? In, in regards to like, um, did you feel like you were dropped into a world where you were expected to know more than you actually knew? Uh, I actually didn't. Really? But uh, yeah, seriously. But honestly, well, see now if we're going to compare with Dune, reading Dune knowing why things are the way they are isn't important. They just are. Okay. And knowing why the Harkonnens and Atreides hate each other and all that other stuff is just frosting on the cake. And that's kind of the way I felt about this is like, okay, we have a ruined world. Everything's been blown to hell. Um, People are just trying to survive, and that's that's where I came into it, and I'm kind of okay with it. See, I almost feel like it was it, a better analogy for the Dune books would have said if this was if these this was the school books, and and this was Sisterhood of Dune, and because I, I think the school books are my favorite pre- prequel trilogy. I, I really really like those books a lot, and if I were to say, oh well, you want to get into Dune. Read these, like the, read about these schools that everyone goes to, and then like not having the Butler and Jihad series of three books, yeah. like you would be, you could read the school books fine, but like you're not going to have any context as to like the what the machines were or whatever. I mean, I think that Dune does it better because it's less of a prominent thing in Dune as to the machine stuff. But anyway, right. so well, if if Frank Herbert had felt that that was important to the story he was telling he probably would have told those stories before right right i agree but but he didn't and he just dropped us into this world see i think with the fantasy idea that's going on here is we expect to have the world 
or the universe built for us first and okay and now now we're going to find out what happens in this world that we've built and i think your problem david is is you're you're a connoisseur of of fantasy and you didn't get your world built for you yeah and you were just dropped cold into something that you didn't understand and in science fiction that happens all the time yeah right I think that if you know, I would, if somebody would have said, "Here's a science fiction book," and handed me this, and I would have not expected fantasy, I may have been much more accepting to that. Or mm-hmm. if I, if someone had handed me this book and said, "Here's a book," and I had no idea that there was anything else connected to it at all, I would have allowed myself to just be like, "Well, I mean, I guess they'll explain eventually." But I mean, in all honesty, when we talk about this being a fantasy book. There are very few things in it that feel fantasy. Yeah, okay, right. we have the race of the owls, but even there, there's this is a race that has given up magic. So there's not a lot of magic except for maybe no. like you have this you have the the Elkris that speaks to the one child. So this tree speaking, obviously that's fantasy. You have Logan's staff, which we don't necessarily know. I mean, that could be just a a, a some sort of beam weapon. I mean, we yeah. don't know really. I don't even know if they use the be- the staff at all, like do they? Well, they, oh, they, yes. they, they make mention of it. Yeah, they make yeah. mention of it. And, um, and so you do see it at least at times. And then you have, and then you have obviously the lady and then two bears, which seem a little bit fantastical, but we don't know a lot about, about them. But in general, we don't see it. Oh, and we see Hawk healing, healing the dog, you know, yeah. Cheney, Cheney heals Cheney at one point. And there's obviously that, but in general, this is not really, this doesn't feel like a fantasy book. It doesn't, no. Per se. If anything, it's a little bit, it does have a much more science fiction feel to it even, at this e- point. Even the demons are more or less mutants than yeah. what we would normally call a right. demon. Like an intergalactic <laughs> or interstellar thing. But they are evil. I mean, they are they are. They're bent on destroying mankind. Right, yeah, yeah. And And that's exactly why I said I was pleasantly surprised at at the book as I read read it. Jim's now hoping every time we suggest a fantasy book, it's it's, uh, secretly on the slide of sci-fi book. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Veiled a (laughs) sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. So yeah, well, I mean that's that's just yeah. those are good initial thoughts. And prior to this, David, you had read nothing of Terry Brooks, right? Correct. I and, not, I uh, not and Jim, you didn't read any Terry Brooks either. Uh, no, I never had. I had heard you mention numerous times that you had. Yeah. So uh, and little known fact, he did. He he wrote the novelization. It was for the Attack of Clones of the Phantom Menace. Oh, really? Okay. That he he wrote. He did write the novelization of it. So he, he he does do other stuff other than just fantasy. But predominantly, he's known in this world as fan, a fantasy writer. But, well, yeah. a lot of people will tell you that Star Wars is fantasy true, and not science true. fiction. It's not, certainly not hard science. Right. There, yeah. Yeah. So where are we at? Where does that take us to people? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as the book opens... Uh, we come upon a character named Logan Tom, and we find out he's a knight of the word. Right. And as I said before, this is my favorite character. I really like this guy. He's a little bit. He's a little bit Johnny Cash like, isn't he? Yeah. 
like the the man in black, kind of mysterious. <laughs> he's mysterious. There's something more to him. There's a he's a principled man, troubled at times, but principled, and um, serving this word, right? Yeah, and he well he does have have nightmares and flashbacks. Yes, and I would say that he may be. Uh, as I finished the book, I kind of got the impression that he was a soldier and he is probably suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress. Certainly from the way that, uh, uh, the way that him and Michael fell out, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, the, his mentor was Michael who kind of rescued him very beginning of the book, kind of like the, uh, what the prelude to the book. We get, of course, a story of Logan Tom being rescued by Michael and this band of, you know, rogue people that are trying to like, he's living in a compound. So back up, we're in a post-apocalyptic world and humanity has basically relegated itself to compounds, like basically stadiums where people kind of wall themselves in to protect themselves in the world. You have some street people that are living and some, you know, scattered bands of people living here and there. And then you have these prison camps that are run by demons and once men and they capture human beings and kind of convert them into these once men and create basically these demon armies. And so, you know, we get the story of Michael and Logan. Uh, Logan's escaping one of these compounds, and Michael, you know, throughout the story, attacks these compounds and at one time really loses it, and uh, Logan has to kind of take him out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's kind of the... Uh, he kind of uh, loses it. He goes mad. And I think that there's a part of Logan Tom that while he did what was necessary, this haunts him. Yeah. And he oh, yeah. Really he's afraid him. he's going to become this way. Oh, yeah. And it kind of starts, doesn't it kind of start with him? He Didn't Logan got injured and he overheard Michael talking with another guy about potentially oh, yeah. killing him? Right. Letting him was, lie. Yeah, because he was too much of a burden. I think to me that was like the beginning of the the downfall where he started to question Michael's yeah. actions. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny you mention the the fact that he's worried about becoming Michael because that idea really I won't spoil anything, but really plays a part of book three in this in this trilogy. So you begin to see that struggle intensify. Yeah. So so I won't spoil anything, but you do see that struggle play in, like you're saying. Another character that came in uh, that was also quite interesting to me was uh, Two Bears. Oh, yeah. He's fascinating, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Ulish Amine from the Sinisippi tribe. Uh, Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fascinating character. He almost comes across as being the. well, he was the one that recruited Logan to be a knight of the word, also recruited Angel, uh, as we encounter later on. So he's kind of this recruiter and works for the word. Um, and seems to be, it's hinted at, at least when he meets Angel, that he also battles with demons to some degree. Uh, but we don't really don't know a lot about him. He's a mysterious man. He's a wise sage. Um, that kind of gives guidance to Logan and kind of, directs him on his mission and uh and obviously in this story gives him the bones of Ness Fremark mm-hmm. that direct him to the gypsy morph. Yeah. 
but he has he has a long way to go to get there. He's got half the continent to cross before oh, he gets yeah. <laughs> to where he needs to be. Yeah, because the Egyptian Wars, like so, the prequel trilogy that we alluded to earlier, the word avoid takes place in Illinois. So he has to he has to travel basically from Illinois all the way to Oregon. Yeah, and he's got to get through Iowa, and trust me, that is horrible at the best of times. <laughs> well, it's sorry, not so, so bad so, now so, that they raised the speed limit. Sorry Iowa here, you know, yeah. you can uh, email Jim at Jim at, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I'll tell you what, you, you had 75 mile an hour through Nebraska, and then you hit Iowa, and it was 55 and strictly enforced for a very, very long time. So it was like Iowa never ends. Right, because you just can't speed through it. <laughs> yeah, you can't get through it. Yeah. But no, they've raised the speed limit, and it's quite a bit better now. Um, there's a lot of people that complain about driving across 400 miles of Nebraska. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, you know, so, um, we, we talk about Two Bears, and he's one of the, he's one of the characters that give the story... A mystical feel, yeah. And I, I hesitate fan to say fantasy only because we do. When you think of fantasy, you typically don't think of, you know, a Native American, a part of the Mississippi tribe. Um, but he does come across as very mystical and kind of out of time and out of place. Well, he's a shaman. Yes. Yeah. The, the be- and go ahead, Jim. Sorry. And and he's and he's extremely wise. This kind of this kind of storyline ex- exploring um, Native American lore and Native American beliefs and things like that has also been something I've always been fascinated in. So I, I especially appreciated this character. Um, just to compare a little bit, uh, some of, of what was going on in Voyager with Chakotay is what really drew me to that show. And when they just dropped it, completely dropped uh, the mysticism with Chakotay, it his character just kind of went, meh, who needs him? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you have it in the show notes, we have another character that's also kind of mystical, and that is the lady. Hmm. And we just know that she is a lady, and somehow she's tied into this word. Um she appoint doesn't she appoint them or something? Yeah, well, she she um she gives. Uh, we don't get we from Logan gets his mission to find Hawk the Gypsy Morse mm-hmm. from Two Bears, but Angel gets sent this Tattermalion that is kind of given to her to, from the lady that says you need to go find help the elves find the Loden Stone, and so we do encounter. The lady again in book two, but I don't. I won't spoil it. But yeah. <laughs> that's how we. I mean, and, and Logan does encounter the lady then, and there's a little bit more of a frequent contact. I had so so is the lady a, a watery tart who is uh, distributing scimitars as a basis of government, or <laughs> is uh, no comment? Yeah, no, no, no comment. <laughs> Beware of women distributing swords and pawns. Right? Yeah. Is, that what, is that what they say? Some moistened bent. In- <laughs> yeah. yeah. But. I had to continually fight against uh, pigeonholing the story as a as the Dark Tower. 
Yeah, which I've not read. Um, I tried to read it, and I I did not like it. But it's a kind of has a similar start where it's kind of like a you know a mystic journey and a guy just traveling across post apocalyptic world. Everything's really dark, and the man in black crossed the uh, crossed the plains, and the gunslinger followed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, how can you not like the gunslinger? My just, goodness. I found him so boring. I just, oh, I, geez. I, That's, that story had meat to it. Uh, you know, I think I finished it. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I finished it, but I don't remember. And when they were in the tunnels with the kid, and that's kind of, I just clocked out. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, and I agree with you. This Logan's story did make me think back to uh, Roland's story, crossing yeah. the plane, chasing Walter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially when he came across that town. Yeah. Yeah. You mean in, in this story when yeah. Logan comes across the town and there's these, there's this preacher and there's the old people. That's a very Dark Towers thing you know it's interesting because we really don't get a sense of the significance of that town in this book yeah and really in the subsequent books as of yet i don't we haven't found that well it's just like i think it just shows like a bunch of old people living off like still still exist uh, yeah outside of a city like still trugging along and i think it's supposed to show how people are persistent but also the the fact that like they're going to get run down, it, right? They, they're they're it's a hopeless situation for them. There's no real hope for the for those people. Yeah. Whereas in the Dark Tower, it's like he goes to the town and everyone's evil and tries to kill him. <laughs> no, well, so it's, it's not quite this. Not quite. No, this, no. No. You know, no. before we leave Logan, we do got on his way to find Hawk. He of course crosses this mountain and meets these spiders. Right. What they uh, call the people they call the spiders. And we get hints that there is a another night of the word that's come through there in recent times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, to backtrack even a little bit more, I had a love hate relationship with the naming of the creatures and calling them spiders and lizards and and it's like by calling it like you you gave me a, a picture in my head that it had to fit and and. It didn't really fit. It didn't really fit. Yeah. And I, I felt if they would have come up with like some crazy, stupid uh, made up name, I would have been like, oh, well, this is the, the Goobly Globs. Like, oh, of course. <laughs> you it's know? a Goobly Glob. Of course. Yeah. Why not? But, but it's the spiders. And every time like that stuff would come up, I would think I would I would almost have to like redo the, the sentence in my head and be like, they're not talking about a literal spider. They're talking about a monster. Right. Uh, Whereas opposed with the centipede was an actual giant centipede. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we well, you know, but there is, there are reasons why they've been named that way. There's something spidery about them. Yeah. Uh, lizards tend to have more scaly skin. Mm -hmm. uh, that's developed, especially in book two, a bit more. Um, so, I mean, you do get, there are reasons. And there yeah. is a sense too, where I think that what Brooks is doing is giving, like when you get into like Hawk, maybe this is a good segue. We get into Hawk's tribe, right? The the um, the shadow. It's not the shadows. It's the um, what do they call themselves? I don't remember. They're all bird names, though, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So it's you, well, not all, but ghosts. we we have candle the ghosts. We have candle, panther, bear, river, owl, sparrow, fix it. 
which reminds me of Transformers, uh, Weatherman <laughs> and Tessa, and then there's Ness Freemark. But, um, and uh, so there is a, a symbolicness to these names, but they're very tribal, they have a very tribal feel to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, and, and I, I for one appreciate the simple, easy to pronounce names and easy to remember names. See, he, like the Jim spiders. Would, Jim would have hated gobbledygook. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that that probably would have been the out for me. But uh, <laughs> no, I, but every time when they did get to that spot where they were talking about spiders, for some reason I wanted to go listen to David Bowie music. It just made me want to. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No, anyway, yeah. So Logan, Logan makes it to where he's going. He finds the gypsy morph. It turns out to be Hawk, and Hawk has this clan of right. people that of he kids. leads yeah. kids and there are there are several of them and each one of them seem to have a talent right right well maybe not panther i i like the idea that you know that that uh ghost was a much older creature than what he was implying that he was he thought he was this boy, and he's more than just. Yeah, not it, only is he more than more powerful than that. Like he's not a boy. He's he's he, been around. For he's centuries. been around for centuries. Yeah, he just he just doesn't know it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there is something there is something that's interesting in that whole story to think about. You, know, this main character is kind of leading this crew that is unaware of who he is. Yeah, and when he's told, he doesn't quite believe it. Right. Right, even until I don't think he really believes at any time in this story. Not in this book, I don't Not think. In this book. Other than the fact that he realizes he's different because he heals the dog. Right, right. And he gets the visions from his mom after Logan Tom meets him in the prison there yeah. in the compound. But that's about it. He doesn't really know what to do with it at that point. Yeah. Well, but, he's got he's got something else on his mind. Of course. And that would, that would be that little girl that's uh, sitting at Safeco Field. Well, there's that, and he has also, like, let me not die. That's also kind yeah. of on his mind here. Well, yeah, survival. But they, they all take a part in that. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Even though you kind of get the hint that he can't die. Is that right? Well, um, he doesn't know that. Not by conventional means. Not by, yeah, he doesn't yeah. know that. Right. Um, He's very concerned about his family. Right. His family of, the, the, of the misfits. Yeah. Right, the misfits. Um, so... Of this family of misfits, are there any in particular that, other than Hawk, which obviously is our central character, and Tess, which is his love interest? Um, I really like Barbara Gordon. I mean, Al. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> A lot of, uh, it felt kind of similar to her Oracle days, but uh, I thought her character was kind of neat and how she kind of was like them. She took the mother role right. without the romantic implications of being the other figurehead. Right. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, and in fact, she was in this role, but she was also crippled, so she relied on all of them to kind of help take care of her. Right. Um, that was interesting. But she is very much like a mother. She reads some stories, um, especially story, stories revolving around the, the exodus mm-hmm. of Egypt by Moses. And so these that's never named, but these are the stories he tells. And this kind of has a symbolic representation of what Hawk's mission is or what we think Hawk's mission is. Yeah. I liked, I liked her character. Uh, that was, that was my, 
And if that dog would have died, I wouldn't have read any more of the books. I no, of course died. not. I would have been that would have been enough yeah. for me. <laughs> you were probably heartbroken when the dog disappeared. Yeah, I was. I just, I just don't do well with animals getting hurt, yeah. especially dogs. No, but no. he's not hurt. He's yeah, around. He's fine. Yeah, you see him in book two. Good. I, I was really drawn to to Hawk's dog Cheney a lot, but uh, even more so, kind of like a moth, I was drawn to Candle. Oh. Yeah, the fact that she has these premonitions, like this almost a sixth sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did, now, did she actually see the future, or was it more an impression, impressionistic thing where there was danger, something was coming, something bad is coming, and we've got to move out of here? I think it was the more the second. Yeah, I, I read it more okay. as like a more intense spider sense. Yeah. Exactly. Good way to put it. A yeah. spider sense of something. Yeah. Um, not that she knew exactly. Yeah. And you see that when they go to get the the uh, the medicine to combat the uh, the plague, as they call it. Um, the 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 uh, Peloton, I guess the Peloton or whatever, whatever you say it. The, the center, oh yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the medicine. medicine, the medicine. Like you, when they go to that room and she says, "We got to get out of here," and then we find out later that it's kind of the, the lair of the centipede. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's planetin. Yeah, planetin. Thank you. I couldn't pronounce it. But yeah, planetin's there. Uh, but I do. I agree. She's kind of. I, I do. Li- I do like this story. I like the story. I like her story. Yeah, and we don't get, and some of them we don't really get um, a lot from. I mean, we get rivers. She's leaving, and there's that mystery, and find out the weatherman who seemingly can also has that little sixth sensibility. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that we get do we get his backstory at all in this in this book. Oh yeah, it's yeah. So her, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was this one or the second one, but we get his backstory. We find out how he came to be, how he is. I I like the duality of his character because. You first experienced him as like almost kind of like a two bears kind of character, like the shaman, a little bit, the shaman that that Hawk goes to for advice doesn't quite make sense, but he kind of views him as this like guy who knows what's going on. Even and then you get River tells the story of like what happened, and it's just like, oh, he's just crazy. He's not. <laughs> he's not a shaman. He just got sick and lost his mind, and he's just spouting stuff. And Hawk has taken it as. Uh, you know, uh, sage advice. Right. Yeah. Mm. I feel like he did a good job of bringing out all the kids. Yes. When each one certainly has his role and some of them are a bit, I would say a bit minor in this book, but definitely in the subsequent books that follow, they each become much more prominent. Yeah. Yeah. Sparrow really, really makes a showing though. Oh yeah, her mama taught her well, didn't you? Yeah. Didn't she? Uh huh. You get the impression from the name Sparrow, probably one of the smallest yeah. species of birds. But when that centipede was going after Owl, she jumped right out there, and I'll tell you what—that was really cool. Yeah, reminds me a little bit of uh, River Tam from from uh, Firefly. <laughs> a little bit, you know, yeah. A little girl. Well, but she's not a psycho. Not a psycho. Not a psycho. But she comes out there like I'm gonna take kickbuck and take names. You know. Yeah. Well, if if it was that river 
in the book, Fox would have canceled it halfway through and we'd have never gotten the rest of the story. That's <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. No, thank God Fox does not dictate book series, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyone, any, any of the other kids that we should talk about? I mean, we have, let's see, we have Panther, we have Bear, we have um, Fix It. Um, well, there's, there is Tessa, though. There is Tessa, but she's not really part. She's not really part of the ghosts. No, she's not at all part of the ghosts. She's part of the the colony living in the in the ball field. Yeah, but uh, you know, Hawk is in love with this girl and goes to her and then gets her to do things that will get her in trouble and ultimately get Hawk in trouble. Yeah. Well, I, I I think her story was less about him leading her astray and more about her realizing how disruptive or how toxic the, the city is because she it's like, she's constantly like, come, come live with us. You know, everyone will accept you. Like, this is such a like great place. Come stay with us. Come stay with us. And like the minute that they capture them, like her mother, like not just disowns her, but like, like destroys her, her emotionally. And, yeah, in and, front of everyone. Yeah, and like the yeah, city and, is just like you're, you're, you're trash, and and you know. Would you and Tessa's kill, argument kill the whole time. Tessa's argument the whole time for staying there was to take care of her mother, and her mother don't give a crap about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, I hear, I hear that. But you know, it is a it is a ploy. It, uh, it, it, it Terry Brooks does a good job of making the importance of why Hawk would go out and why he wouldn't take Cheney because Cheney had just been injured and goes and gets captured, and it is a catalyst that really pushes out his gypsy more. So I I think that's a good it's good for the yeah. what other characters do we have that we should talk about? Well, uh. Angel Perez, the other Knight of the Word, yes, the West we Coast Knight of the Word. Yeah. yeah. She uh, grew up in the barrios. Um, she is able to wield magic a little bit with, with that staff she gets. Yep. And she is being chased by a demon named Delarine who uh, works for the head bad guy. Findo Gask? Yeah, Findo Gask. <laughs> sounds like something sounds like something from Star Wars. It does. It does a little, has a little bit of <laughs> well, hence making this more sci-fi book than ever. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. But you know, you're right. Findo Gask is there and Findo Gask, you know, obviously it's alluded to that at one point he had a chance to destroy the gypsy moth and doesn't and now he's hell-bent in finding it. So when Hawk heals Cheney. There's like the, you know, magic radar for the lack of a better, better sense that, you know, his, his spider senses go up and he says, <laughs> okay, he's in that direction. I've been waiting for 10 years for that to surface. And here we are. Yeah. And so Findogast very much of that. Uh, but Delarine kind of works for him, but uh, he would just be just as happy to see Delarine be killed. Well, he's planning mm-hmm. to kill her, but he gives her this like last mission so they right. can catch her off guard. Bring the head of the Knight of the Word on a silver platter, and uh, I will love you forever. I have to say, uh, I found Angel infinitely more connectable and more interesting than Logan. Like, 
like she's much was, more she's much more down to earth. I was right on board with her character. I understood what it was, and this may go back to the sci-fi, the fantasy aspect. She was a fantasy character right from the beginning. Like I understood, maybe because we introduced it with Logan, like what the Knight of the Word was. But right from the beginning, she's fighting the fight. She's she's talking about magic. She's talking about demons. Blah blah blah. But with Logan, it was like right from the beginning. It was woe is me, PTSD, <laughs> traveling by myself. Life is hard, you know. Paladin. Yeah, Paladin kind of. I mean, she's supposed to be from the same stock, so they're supposed to be similar. But like, and maybe he'll get. I mean, he did get more like that when he was when he got to the Gypsy Moth, right? And then he got like infinitely more interesting to me because of like what he was doing there. But the but, journey there wasn't quite as interesting for you. Right. But then her whole thing of like running from the demon, learning about the demons, what they are, and how they like, how the, what's her name is like the, the one demon chasing her is kind of morphing more. Yeah, into, changeling. Cha- like yeah. And, and but you know, more. more than anything, what Angel Perez reminds me of, she makes me think of Private Vasquez from Aliens. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Not a not a big huge girl, but tougher than nails, you know? Yeah. This is a girl you do not want to mess with. I bet her she's got red hair. Yeah. You That'll never piss me. off the redhead. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, seriously, I mean, and you see her, you know, in in one of the battles with Delarine, and then we of course run into the Tatermalian right after that and yeah. that she gets her quest to say, okay, you must go find this race of creatures that she doesn't even believe in. Yeah. And fi- help them find a Loden and help them save themselves. I think it's funny that she doesn't believe in elves, but then she has this completely mystical creature guiding her around. And the mystical creature is like only lives for a certain amount of time. Right. She's almost not tangible. She's totally okay with that aspect of it, but like, oh, elves? But like, elves? I'm serious. I mean, I mean, I'm being well, she'll be demons. okay with the elves when she sees them. Yeah. Right. She doesn't, you know, she sees Allie or Eilie, I guess you would say it. She sees Eilie, and this is something she can see, she can communicate with. It's it, It's something she can believe in. Yeah. She probably would, she would have discounted that before she actually experienced it. So I think it's the same thing that's going to follow on with the elves when she gets there. That, yeah, she doesn't believe in them. She doesn't understand. She doesn't, you know, all she knows is she's got to get away and take care of business. But, um, you know, she'll change her mind when she can actually quantify it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she's torn. She's torn. She has to leave these children that she's kind of rescued from this compound to go on this quest. And this is not an easy thing for her. It's something that she does wrestle with. So. Yeah, well, saving children uh, has been her life's work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's her whole existence up to this point. Yeah. And so when she leaves them, she kind of hands off um, the children keeps him in the care of this character named Helen Rice, who doesn't play much of a role here, plays a little bit more of a role in the second book. I felt like her character, of all of the characters that we experience in this one, doesn't have a, she's very f- flat in a positive way. She doesn't have growth. Her character is there for exposition. 
to kind of tie things together. Her character's almost there to introduce and explain the demons more than anything else. I mean, she doesn't like she goes, she's on a physical journey. Right. And I, I'm sure that will pay off later because I really did like her character. I'm not cutting at that. But, Just because it's flat doesn't mean it's not interesting. Right. But as far as like character growth, she's very much the same person at the end of the book that she was at the beginning. Do you feel the same thing about Logan Tom? Or do you think you see a little bit more growth with him? I think that I see more growth. I mean, yeah, he interacts with that town, and that kind of softens him a bit. The thing with Logan is he was really soft, and then he, the, like having to kill children all the time has like given him that PTSD and, and and scarred him so much. And then it's kind of then he hits this town, and he's just like in the face of all of these all of this negativity. They just decide to keep on going and living their life and they don't hate the world they're just kind of like this is our this is our town this is us this is what we're doing and i feel like from that point on he kind of starts to soften soften and he comes across the kids and by the time he gets the kids he's 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 like ready for the action of breaking him out and less less bitter to the world you know i mean i'm sure he's got a lot lot more to go but yeah uh, sorry this this book any thoughts on the whole idea the character growth Angel are Logan Tom, uh, Jim. Um, Logan, he may, I don't know if it was character growth as much as it was a reveal that the, that, that the character still has compassion right. and that, that he hasn't just abandoned everything and become a stone cold killer that, uh, he's going to do the job that he needs to do. He's going to do the job as he was trained to do it, but he doesn't necessarily like it. He doesn't relish in it. Yeah. yeah. No. And that's an important and, thing that comes back to he doesn't want to be a Michael. Right. Yeah. And Angel Perez, she may not have any character growth, but but I really admire this girl. She's tough. She's yeah, really tough. tough. Snails, tough yeah. snails. Not having growth doesn't and, mean that she's not a good character. It just she doesn't change. And, yeah, and in spite of the fact that Delarine has grown armor and has gotten even tougher, I think Angel is going to come out on top in Most this likely. battle. Yeah, I will not say. <laughs> <laughs> just to say that. Book two does end with a face-off between the two of them. Oh. And there is a definitive outcome to that. Oh, that's inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah. Well, it is, and they're leading up to it. It's one of the things that, you know, so this demon's chasing him into the realm of the elves. The elves have kind of been untouched by the outside world intentionally. And uh, so they've been kind of they've been kind of secluded and... Uh, Yet Angel has to find them with the help of the Tatermalian and, you know, finding him while being pursued by this demon, which means that yeah. if the demons didn't know, they will now. Yeah. Well, and, and Delarine has an agenda. She has an ambitious agenda to unseat Findo Gask and become the head whatever, the head evil person. Yeah, but ultimately, the thing that really drives her is wanting to take out Angel. I thought the thing that drove her is wanting to take out Angel to usurp the other guy. 
Right. As a means yeah. to an end. I think they kind of indicate that that becomes less of a, that's less important than just taking out and taking out Angel. But you're right. It is hinted and certainly explored in the story that Finnegas says, you want to usurp me, and she denies it. But of course, you know, yeah. you aren't going to tell your boss you're trying to off him. Right. Well, she's well. She thinks it several times yep, during does. the reading of the text, especially, yeah. um, especially when Delarine is per, pursuing Angel as they're running north on those uh, trike bikes or whatever they are. They're riding. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We know. So we're talking about Angel. That leads us into the elves, and we of yep. course have uh, Kirsten, and we have. Um, we have the Elkries, we have the Elven King, we have Arisha. So, anything in particular you want to talk about there? I I couldn't figure out where this was going. It, it just seemed like it was so far out of left field that I, I didn't, I couldn't understand why is this here? Mm. It was, this was the world building. A little bit, because we really don't. We get um, we get the Elkris, who's this tree that is, is protecting the elves and has locked these this other set of demons, which is different than the demons that are running around the earth now. Right. They're locked in this place called the Forbidding, which is, you know, if you read any of the other Terry Brooks' other Shannara books, this is kind of a a core thing in those books. This idea of the forbidding in the Elkris and protecting the Elkris is something that crops up and again and again as being part of the story. Mm. Um, and then the chosen being, you know, Kirisan and Arisha and uh, the other people that are there as chosen. They're kind of guarding this tree and taking care of the Elkris. And then we of course have well, the tree that speaks we go in ahead. the world. Well, and, and, you know, and then David says this is part of the world building. They are in the Oregon Cascades. The world has been built. <laughs> it's been True, there for but, but thousands is, of years. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but the society of the elves has not. Yeah. I mean, they, their, their, culture, the, their, their culture and how they've hidden themselves in, and they, they've kind of, you know, any humans that get near, they might they manage to divert to keep them from being yes. okay. seen. Are they there now? So let's say that that this story series is prophetic, and what's happening in the books is going to happen. Are those elves there now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they've been there forever in the floor in the Oregon Cascades. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and the whole idea see, is that, that, that it's we like get, we get I'm sorry. <laughs> well, see, now we get, we can't look at it from today's lens because we're dealing with a post-apocalyptic society that has destroyed itself. There's no technology that's kind of no eye in the sky that's kind of looking down over that they can find these yeah. creatures. But here's the thing, Jim. Did you did you see Black Panther? I did. Did you like Black Panther? I loved it. Do you like the Do you like the nation of Wakanda? They're people. They are. They're people. They're, they're, but, they're, but their city is hidden. The, their civilization is an exact mirror of this. Yeah, hidden. No. Oh, it's no. totally. It's hidden. No. Nobody. Wakanda are using there, but technology 
So, so technology and magic. City. So these guys are, use, are using some magic tree thing. They are. They are, are using, using. They are using magic, but remember that science at one time, when you, what you do in science is indistinguishable from magic. Oh yeah. gosh. As Thor says, <laughs> magic is just science you don't understand. Exactly. I, I'm. I'll be over here tuning my lute. You guys. Okay. <laughs> just want to bring it up that. This time, this time, David and I did not bring up the loot. That's right. It was Jim himself finally accepting yeah. his role as it, a loot master. That's true. I just uh, beat you to it. Post, <laughs> please post all loot memes uh, involving Jim to the Orbital, Orbital Sword, Sword Facebook, Facebook page. page. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, really, seriously, I don't. I, I this part of the story derailed me. Uh, now I'm not saying it was bad because it was definitely interesting how Kirison discovered what was going on and he went to uh Arison Belarus, the king, and got it confirmed and his um the king's daughter knew what was going on and was hiding it from Kirison. And how he's just like really, really upset, angry, and disappointed that as one of the chosen, he and the rest of the chosen don't know what's going on. Yeah. Right. Well, it's it's your classic disaster, really. I mean, it's like it's like this could have been about Pompeii, you know? Right. You know, the guy finds out the mountain's going to explode, takes it to the leader. The leader's like, no, the mountain's fine. Yeah. Turns out the leader knew the mountain was going to explode, but didn't want to deal with it. Mountain explodes. Right. What well, it is, it's very much that, I mean, it is kind of that trope. And you see that kind of storyline yeah. happening in disaster, disaster stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of the things that's clear in this book is there's definitely a synchronization between the Kirison storyline and the angel storyline. You yeah, know yeah. that, uh, and in, then in book two, they, these, these merge, um, and become pretty core. Um, and you find out a lot more backstory as to why the King's kind of acting that way. I'm, I'm the opposite of Jim. They started the, 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 Elf stuff, and I could have not read any more of the rest. Yeah. So this is kind of, this is where the story started for you. Just had an elf book. From yeah. That just, point on. <laughs> I would have. Been, I would have. I, if we were to the and then me. at the end they would have. By the way, other things happened with the other guy. I would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Now right. I will side with Jim a little bit here, though, because for me, as I'm reading the book, I we're in the story of the elves. Initially, I'm like, oh yeah, we're with elves. That's right. There's elves in this world, and I'm reading it. But I was always looking forward to a either getting back to Logan Tom, or b getting back to Hawk. You know, these are the two storylines that really resonated with me in this book. Didn't yeah. mean that Angel's storyline was important. Certainly didn't mean that the Elf storyline, and especially when you get to book two, it's very core and important, and my feelings change. But in this book, because we really don't know where this is going and we don't get any resolution to that, um, both in Angel's case and in the case of the um, the Elves, we're left kind of just hanging, and we're like, okay, that was nice, but... Yeah. So I'm, I'm Jim. I'm with you in that. I understand why you're saying that. Yeah, I could. I was the opposite. I was reading Logan or or Hawk's story, and I couldn't wait to get back to Angel or the Elves. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Those those two those are what I want to read more of the series for. I don't yeah. care about 
Yeah. I mean, well, Hawk got interesting at the end. Right. Well, the, you know, and there was there was a couple of things I kind of took for granted, which didn't, it, it, I said it derailed me, but it didn't infuriate me. It didn't drive me into a state of wanting to rant about it. <laughs> but what happened was, is I, I granted that, okay, this is going to end on a cliffhanger. Right. So, and I didn't look ahead or anything, but I knew that something was going to be, or several somethings were going to be resolved or were not going to be resolved. And I just kind of figured, okay, the elf story and angel story are going to come together and they're going to be completely unresolved. Yeah. What hit me out of left field was that, uh, the two kids are flying off the top of the Safeco field wall and it just stopped. And I'll tell you what, I just about threw my Kindle through the window. <laughs> we would have, we would have definitely needed pictures if that was the case. Yeah. I was, I was furious yeah. for a moment, but then it's like, okay, we'll probably wind up reading the next book. Yeah. Well, maybe. Well, maybe we can certainly put it on the list. I, no, I bought them. <laughs> I, I feel like real anger. It would be if you smashed your loot. That would I be mean, definitely. Kindles are replaceable, but loots are forever. Loots are, loots are forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um, that brings us up to this. Uh, you know, probably the last thing, the the, the final event, yeah. which you know, Hawk and Tess have been judged, found guilty by this compound. And they are tossed from this ledge mm -hmm. and whew, just disappear. Yeah. Why kill them? Well, no, they're not dead. They're not dead. Why and, not? Well, no, I'm talking about the, the people that live in here who uh, condemn them to death. Why kill them? Send them out. Just say, you're done. Get the yeah. hell out of here. Well, that's what Logan's trying to convince them about. He's right. Like, just let them go. Just like, let them go. They're not a big deal. But I think because part of it is, too, they're trying to make an example that you don't yeah. steal from the compound. You don't disobey our laws. You don't steal from the compound. Right. You know, and so cool. there's that. It's like, it's like that one student the first day when you're teaching that does something stupid that on any other day you might leave slide. But you, you throw them out the a, window. You want to make a point. You toss them out the window, watch them drop three stories and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, our our school's all on one level, so we don't have that choice. So they have a short but, drop. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a real short drop. <laughs> now, this brings but, up to one of the things that is not mentioned at all in this book, but is a trope that comes throughout the Terry Brooks books, and that is the King of Silver River. And all I'm going to say is that this event on the wall when they are tossed has to deal with him. And he's a trope that comes throughout. You know, when, whenever you read a Shannara book, you're waiting to see the king of Silver River. He acts a little bit like two bears. And at one point when I first started reading this book again, I'm like, oh, this must be the king of Silver River. And it's not. He's still, he's but, there catch all day of sex, Machina. Yeah, well, but... No, he's the Stan Lee of the <laughs> this universe. He is. Uh, so, anyways, all that to say, you know, there we are. But all right. Well, any, I, other, any go ahead. 
I was going to, I was going to say, uh, one of the things that really appealed to me is, uh, how it was set in the United States. Mm-hmm. And there are places mentioned in this book that are very familiar to everybody. And I just thought that was kind of neat. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And so we do have we do have some very familiar places and people would know these and he's dealing with, you know, real world yeah. in a sense. Real So you don't you don't need a map in the first two pages to try <laughs> to have to keep turning back and forth and back and forth. Well, to exactly, out where they're going. because it's not it's not a fantasy world. But he does provide maps, by the way, later on in the Schnarr books. But well, it's because the world's evolved and changed. Yeah. So a question I have, Scott, and you said you've you've read all of these books, is that correct? Yeah, he has a new series out, and I have not read the newest series, and I think it has to do with the, it comes way in the future, it's like the fall of Shannara. Okay. It's, it's fine. He said he's stopping after this to kind of wrap up the series. So. Okay. But anyways, go Knights, ahead. Knights of the Word. Right. What word? Well, and and if if it's a spoiler, then then you not. don't have to tell me, or you can tell me after we're done. There was yeah. a crossover with Monty Python. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me, Nick. Yeah, no. Oh, um, me is the word. Yeah, me is the knights of the word, right? Ah, okay. <laughs> no, it's not. Um. So, the knights of the word. So there's a sense where um, in the original trilogy, or the, the trilogy that comes before this one, they, they, one of the books is titled, uh, I just had this up, me, let me get it. So the, the, the three in the, um, well, I'm, I'm at the right spot. The three in the original Word and Vo- Void series, you have three books. The first one is Running with a Demon. The second book's called Night of the Word. And the third one is called Angel Fire East. And these are all deal with, as you can tell, we, we established a whole demon presence in the first book. We established the knights in the second, and then angels are hinted, hinted, hinted at in the third. Mm-hmm. And so you do get context for that as being a little bit about, you know, who these knights are. Yeah. Um, and that's probably the, uh Yeah. It's probably the clearest, okay. clearest thing I can give you. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know that I can give you much more. Uh, what word? I don't, you know, at one point there's a little. There is there. There are a lot of religious overtones, like when you deal with Christianity, like we call the Bible the Word, but it's not right. really that. It's not really that. Okay. At least that, that I that I know of. Um, you, of course, have Al telling religious stories, the tropes of. That and so you do have some religious overtones, but it's definitely not a Christian world that we're talking about here. And the word okay. seems to be almost like the word of this lady, or the word of two bears, um, or whatever it is that they are guiding, protecting people. You know, kind of as a part of it. Okay. See, I w- and and I wasn't I wasn't thinking it was particularly Christianity, but if. I thought I was thinking maybe there was some sort of text that had been written or perhaps a code 
of some sort that that these knights had to follow and they called that the word or whatever it was just you know i was just kind of curious about what what the word was or you know uh as a collective thing right but uh, it's, good. It's, it's definitely a good question yeah Well, I think we could probably move on to uh, closing thoughts of the book. Yeah. Just a little, one more thing about it. I just did a little quick, a real quick search on it. And they said the word is kind of a sort of, of, of God in the Shinar series. And the void kind of represents more like the, the demon, uh, evil, <laughs> or the devil. Um, Ah. And you kind of have the word working through the knights, and they carry the staff of the word, and then there's the lady of the word, and there's the king of Silver River who's second only to the word itself. Um, and the lady appears every so often to knights kind of in times of great need and acts sort of as a representative of the word. So there is this word, but we don't really get a real clear picture of what the word is. Okay. Just that it functions kind of in that God comment, that God sort of framework. Getcha. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we talked about the staff. Um, Load and Elfstone, we don't really see. We just know that there's a quest. We, But that's really it. Yeah. But, so let's... Um, we let's, can wrap up here. Yeah, any any other of, points of plot we should talk about that are favorite? I mean, we kind of covered them as we yeah. went through, but... Yeah, I, don't know I, I, I think we do that. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're good. All right. So, so closing thoughts on the book. What? What? Let's give our thoughts, and then we do have yeah, some listener thoughts. We do as have well. some listener thoughts as well. So, so Jim, let's start with you. Let's hear your closing thoughts on the book, and then how you would rate it. Um, any final things you want to say instead? Do you want to say we're rating I don't think I will pick this book, the second book in this series, up. Unless we read it for the show, I'll start. I'll start there. Um, even even despite the cliffhanger at the end and not knowing what's going to happen to these two kids, um, you know my my impression for one being a gypsy morph and the other being a regular human is that he's going to survive and she's going to die and he's going to be really miserable about it. I I don't know if that's <laughs> what it is, but I, that would be the prediction I would make. Um I I there I don't think there was quite enough in this book to spur me on to read the next one in the series alone. Even though I've I've bought it, maybe one of these days I'll just get crazy and and go ahead but um I, i'm going to give this book a three and a half out of five okay very cool very cool all right scott yeah so here's where i'm at this book again i think first of all let me just say in closing thoughts i want to reiterate that i think it was kind of a mistake to start with this book you know, we really should have yeah. started with the word and void the first one in the uh, in the first in the original in the, in the I want to say original it's not the original but the first series that kind of predates this one. That being said, when you look at this book in the context of the entire mythos of Shinara, it does establish some core things that carry throughout. 
and and give an explanation as to how the elves got to where they were. Um, the we see the breaking down into the different factions. Like when you go to Shinara, like the store of Shinara, there are trolls, there are dwarves, there are there are other creatures. Um, there are humans or elves, and you get an idea. Like you see these factions through the creatures he describes as developing. So I think this book comes off as important. So let me give two different ratings. If I were to rate this by itself, apart from the other series, I'm probably close to, close to Jim, the 3.5 out of 5. But because I know the series and the importance it plays, the actual rating that I want to give is more like a 4.5 out of 5. So it depends on how you want me to rate it, uh, David and Jim. I, I think that for me, though, this is a 4.5 out of 5 because I'm not taking the book by itself. That's uh, kind of where I'm at with it. I am in a similar situation. I struggled pushing myself through this book because the mistake being made of reading this first made me not want to read anymore. Not because I was enjoying the story. The story's fine. It wasn't about the writing or anything. It was, I was, I was, really agitated that i i didn't i was missing out on something did now when did you find out you're missing at were you were you partway through the book when you discovered that no like two chapters in i was like this isn't there i'm missing something right like as soon as they started talking about the demons and like the way the world was i'm like there's backstory that's not in here right there's references to stuff that obviously if you were in the know you would get yeah I, i was like there's one thing to be dropped into a world and they're going to explain it later which is the sci fi stuff that we kind of talked about I get that. I enjoy that. But when you drop me into a world and you allude to things that I'm already supposed to know, it irritates me not because of the way the book is written, but because I'm reading it out of order. Mm. Um, so finishing this book, I thought the book was all right, but I and I want to read more. I almost want to go back and read the the other ones first. I think you should. Yeah, I'm I'm almost more interested in like the main storyline. I just think that it'd be beneficial to read these prequels. And it's like, I'm just came off of devouring the Terry Goodkind books. And that's right. You were reading those. I really enjoyed those. And everyone really likes the Shannara stuff, just like the people like the sort of truth stuff. And I'm kind of hoping to have like, the, to get into that kind of thing with like characters reoccur over and over and over. Um, I want to get there and I want to like it. So my reading of the book is like, uh, reading it as the first one, it's like it wasn't bad. wasn't Didn't really mean anything to me though. So it's like a three out of five. But I'm like, on the other hand, it's probably a four out of five in context. Like it's probably like one score up better for me, right? Uh, you know, if I would have known what was going on, I would have been like, oh, this is this thing. Even if I would have read the first Shinara book or whatever, and been like, oh, this is like getting into the world that I'm familiar with, right? This, like I understand what's kind of going, you know. How it's post apocalyptic this is this is what it was like before it was the Shinara land. But instead I'm kinda like I wasn't expecting post apocalyptic. I was expecting more fantasy and just that being dropped in. So I am gonna go three out of five right now. I think that if you were to talk to me in a year when I'm more into the series, I would say four. All right. Fair enough. So well we did get some listener thoughts in, so why don't we delve into that? Yeah, Plus let's do there's it. another uh another message that I just got in, so I'll read that then okay. again. But um, I posted on Facebook today, and we did get some feedback, and then we also got an email from someone earlier today, too, talking about it. 
And uh, let me just read this uh, first post by Will. And uh, Jim, Jim's going to read the follow-up one, and then we'll talk about it together because they kind of relate. Will Post said, I can't believe there are still new books coming out. I remember reading the first prequel book first, the first King of Shannara, maybe, and then reading the Sword of Shannara and being turned off because it felt incredibly derivative of Lord of the Rings. And uh, Jim, why don't you go ahead and read Timothy's um, message? Okay. Uh, Timothy Darling says, I've not read Armageddon's Children, however... While many acknowledge that the Sword of Shannara is quite derivative, as Brooks continued writing the series, it quickly grew into its own mythology. I've read about four of the books, but I'm trying to work my way through in order now, and I have recently learned that the Night of the Word series ties in at the very beginning. So that's where I am at this point. Um, the Sword of Shannara is the first thing he wrote in the series, and you get the impression that he was a little fanboyish, but then he slapped himself and got over it. <laughs> That's a funny way to put it. But, he, it but it's true. It's true. It, um, do you remember reading Dune and how ponderous it got at points? Yeah. And if you ever read Lord of the Rings and how ponderous that gets, uh, Sword of Shannara is the same. Okay. It fits. It's the same same little world, and it get, has that same sort of ponders. It reads very much like Lord of the Rings. What? That being said, as Timothy's saying, he developed this into a, its own mythos. And while that is kind of the linchpin of everything, he did not stay Lord of the Rings. Well, now, do you think perhaps that is because with an author, they are driving the story at first? I mean, okay, I'm going to write this story. Here's my outline. And then all of a sudden, at some point, the story takes over and begins to write itself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly, um, you know, think about what Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert did with the Dune universe, right? They took the, the here is the, here's Dune and the, the subsequent novels that followed. And uh, there are some stories here that we would love to know the history of. Let's tell that history. Yeah. Very much what Terry Brooks does with the Shannara. We have the Shannara book, but let's tell the history. How did we get to Shannara anyways? How did we get to this world that people loved? And it, and so this is the story. Yeah. I, I mean, I haven't read the first book, so I obviously can't truly comment on that, but this didn't feel like Lord of the Rings to me. But then again, this is written much later after he would have gotten out of that funk. On in in blind defense, I feel like oh, it's a lot like Lord of the Rings is what everyone says to any type of long-standing epic when they first start reading it. I mean, look at we started reading Aragon, and it's like all you could see in the first book there was were all these like you know Star Wars, Lord of the Rings like influence into the books, and, and I think it's like Jim said how how it, but the first book of a lot of series you're going to see a lot of the things that influence the the writer and then once they finish or get into that then their kind of own story really blossoms out and which i think is what forward. happens here. yeah 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 well uh thank you tim and thank you um will for sending those comments uh but we did get an email in and yeah. do you want to show that email so andrew long writes in he says i, I just finished reading armageddon's children and i wanted to share my thoughts 
Note that there will be spoilers overall, which is fine because we just played the whole book. <laughs> right, right. I thought this book was a bit bland. It uh, failed to excite me. It suffered from what I might call prequel syndrome in that it left me feeling like there, like it was heading somewhere but did not finish the journey. It has four storylines, two of which meet at the cliffhanger. Hawk is the, is the gypsy morph, and the other two appear to be heading toward each other, but don't reach. In the elf storyline, nothing happened. I'm guessing that this is where Angel is heading. There's no resolution to Angel and Delorean. Is it Delorean? Storyline? Delorean. Delorean? Delorean, storyline. yeah. Uh, see my earlier comment about prequel syndrome. Is the series as a whole worth picking up and going through? Yeah, so uh, I agree. It is there is prequel syndrome. We don't know, yeah. and it, it, the story's kind of unfinished. Yeah. Plus, it suffers from that. I mean, I've said it many times. It suffers from being plopped in with in the middle of the series. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that he. I agree a little bit with him. Yeah. Yeah. So well, we did get another email in. This is actually a post to our Facebook page when I. Response to a post I posted earlier today, and it's Patrick Lyons, who, by the way, is the guy that suggested it. Okay. So he's the guy. He's the reason that we read this. So. so. But he said, I just saw this. Out of the Shannara books, this one is my favorite. The themes of per- perseverance of the human spirit in the spite of overwhelming evidence that points to failure is threaded throughout the trilogy. Although all may seem hopeless or lost, but we do not give up, and we will share... And we will stare destruction in the eyes. I also like the theme of man's commitment to stagnation where we, at times, need to adjust to the realities of the world around us. Figuratively, demons and once men are destroying the compound after compound. Let's stay in ours. We're reminded that just because our choice to adjust to the realities of our age, some things are still valuable. Family, friendship, human needs faithfulness these values do not have to change my favorite character is logan tom i identify with his conviction on autopilot mentality he seems directionless but he doesn't wallow in it he sticks with what he knows and fights second favorite is probably the preacher he has lost his name but still enjoys a sense of purpose so he really obviously liked this one yeah any thoughts about what he said and that's why he was pushing for this to be the first one of the series. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I really feel like he was not jaded, but like blinded by the love of the full series and not right, an outside it, perspective. Exactly. So we aren't look, we're looking at someone that obviously loves the series, isn't taking into account that there are people that haven't read Brooks. Oh, yeah. Right. Jim, any thoughts on what he said? Um, no, I, I identify more with uh, Andrew Long's comments than okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do this, appreciate. No, pa- yeah, go ahead. I, I have to agree though with the with the themes that he that he identifies in Absolutely. there. You know, the quest, good versus evil, hope from hopelessness. The the perseverance as, as of I man. Put yeah. notes, perseverance, uh, getting the job done, uh, even if it's unpleasant. That much I do agree with. And the the value of family, of friendship, of, you know. I agree. And I'm sure that those themes are only more prominent in the rest of the trilogy. Oh, yeah. I, I, they're all true. there, and they're all they're all well done. Yeah, absolutely. In, in 
All right. Well, why don't you take us into closing thoughts, David? So, okay. So, well, we've gone over the ratings of the books and uh, our final things there. Coming up on the next episode, we're going to be reviewing the first book of The Expanse. By the way, been renewed by uh, Amazon. Yeah, that's true. So we had a, a pretty close, you know, poll as to what book we should read. Yeah, being that we're all they were all the, the, all the Leviathan Wakes. <laughs> uh, we got tired of it losing second place constantly. Right. Uh, so Leviathan Wakes is the next book. Alan Wake is the wasn't it guy's name? Alan. James S. A. Corey. So yeah, I was right on cue with Alan. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Leviathan Wakes will be our next book, and by the time you're hearing this, the website will be updated with a new poll with new, new poll, books. Yeah. We'll put the second book uh, in this series on there in case people want us to continue reading yeah. this, uh, as well as three other ones. We did get some suggestions Good. on Facebook, so we're going to go through those and decide what we're going to put on. In the meantime, if there's something you want us to read. Uh, and then get angry at you for having us jump into the middle of the series and not know what we're doing. <laughs> Feel free to email us, uh, orbitalsword at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook at facebook.com slash the orbital sword. We're also on Twitter, orbital sword. Um, all those are great places to send us suggestions. Let us know what you're thinking about the show in general, about books that you've read recently, these books and future books you want us to read. And you can always visit us at our main hub, theorbitalsword.com, and find links to all these things as well as view what we're currently reading. Yeah. That's where you'll find the poll, by the way. That's where the poll is, um, yep. You know, if we're going to do uh, – we could put the sequel to this one. We could also put the first one from the Word and Void series. That's sequel true. to The Expanse. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple that we can throw in there. Yeah. We'll figure it out, and uh, we'll put them up, and you'll, you guys can vote and away. And you can vote away. Yep. Um, Don't forget, you can support us on Patreon. We love our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Every little bit helps us keep this uh, show going, pay yep. for the uh, hosting and fresh yep. equipment and all that great it's, stuff. Et cetera. Uh, loot repair bills. Oh, you definitely need to, especially <laughs> yeah. when Jim tosses the loot out the yeah. window because he's so frustrated with the book we're reading. I, mean, I know. It gets costly. I mean, yeah. loots are not cheap. Yeah. Plus, he has this special holster on the loot for his Kindle so he can play while he reads. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, you know, it's kind of like background music. Yeah. Self-made. We're actually currently raising money for not just any old loot, but a Balasset. But a Balasset, yeah. The Balasset is really the, 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 the penultimate type of loot. Yeah, so. the best loot. Yeah, the best so. loot. <laughs> so thanks again for listening once again for the orbital sword i'm david moulton i'm scott herzog yeah and i'm jim arrowwood yeah. <laughs> <laughs> join us next time on board the orbital sword if i go to the sky i will always see your smile i will always
Miss you. 